and here we are, you know, I'm 15 years old, my cousin is 14, and we're here at a truck stop, you know, being forced to work it, you know, being forced to go from truck to truck, asking, you know, if the guy would like to have sex with us, you know, and we're young girls, terrified out of our minds. This is somebody's family member, you know, that it is missed, you know, you don't think of that, you know, that they don't want to be here. You know, at the truck stop, we were not together. She was, God knows where, you know, and I was over here. I didn't, you know, one phone call saying, hey, she's acting up or, hey, she's trying to run or she's trying to signal a truck driver that, you know, that something's wrong, she's not acting right, and something could have happened to Chrissy, you know, or vice versa. Um, from the very, very beginning, they drilled it into my head. They drilled it into her head that, you know, if we try to act up, something really bad was going to happen. I mean, you couldn't see it on the outside looking at me, you know. We were brainwashed where we were like, okay, we have to do this or else, you know, something bad could happen. I mean, who knows if they knew us well enough, they could have known where my family lived, you know, and killed them, you know, anything. Anything was going through my mind that, you know what, I have to do this or else something bad's going to happen to me, to my family, to my friends anything you know and it's not something that you really see out on the surface but it's happening you know inside my mind it was happening you know I was scared unbelievably scared what you just heard was a clip from truckers against trafficking's primary training DVD in it Sherry a young survivor of human trafficking describes what it was like being forced to sell herself at a truck stop as a young girl minors being sold at truck stops is an all-too-common reality Hi, my name is Helen Hofer. I'm the Freedom Drivers Project Director for Truckers Against Trafficking and co-host to this podcast, Driving Freedom. I'm so excited to get to co-host today with my longtime co-worker and friend, Laura Cyrus. Welcome, Laura. Hey, Helen. It's so good to be on today. I'm excited to have this conversation. I think this, this episode is going to be just really enlightening. As the Director of Corporate Engagement for TAT and longtime TAT team member, just like you, we have read and heard so many cases just about this uh, all-too-common reality, unfortunately, that's taking place at truck stops and many places across our country. And yet, you know, we are so encouraged by the fact that drivers are making calls on behalf of these victims. And, you know, we know that from the last five years of data from the National Human Trafficking Hotline, they report actually that 41 percent of all calls from drivers have been on behalf of minors. So that statistic certainly highlights, you know, not only how big the problem is, but also it points to the solution. And that's that truckers and really so many people can take a step and make a big difference in the life of these victims, you know, who so desperately need somebody to make a call on their behalf. And of course, our guest today knows all about that as she was the one who came up with the original idea for Truckers Against Trafficking. And she now volunteers with us as TAT's uh, Director of Communications. So we're so glad to have with us Lynn Lieberg, our friend, our colleague, and inspiration to us all on the TAT team. So Lynn, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. And why don't you just get started by telling us the story of how TAT was formed and how it began? Sure. Laura, it's good to be here today with both you and Helen. And it's a very interesting story. Back in 2007, I read a book called Not for Sale by David Batstone and for the first time realized that human trafficking was taking place here in the United States and not just in some country across the world. 
So I have four daughters. I called them and said, you've got to read this book. In the fall of 2007, the five of us got together along with a friend and talked about what we'd learned in the book and what kind of a response we could have. We decided to start a ministry called Chapter 61 Ministries based on Isaiah 61, 1 through 4 in the Bible. The following year, one of my daughters and her neighbor decided to put together and host a human trafficking awareness conference in Denver, Colorado. That conference drew a number of speakers, and one of the speakers was a former FBI agent who talked about getting a grassroots movement started. So we started Truckers Against Trafficking as an initiative of Chapter 61 Ministries. Chapter 61 was all about fighting issues of injustice with an emphasis on human trafficking, and so this seemed like a good, good way to go. Lynn, do you remember some of the things that he said that made you think, okay, this is something we can do and this is something we must do? One of the examples that he gave when he was speaking about a grassroots movement was going to a neighborhood gas station and training the people there to recognize the signs of human trafficking because traffickers have to stop for gas when they're moving victims around. But what popped into my head when he said that were pictures from my youth. My parents had owned a small motel in El Paso, Texas, and truckers were some of our best customers. My mother had a continental breakfast for customers in the morning, and so a lot of these truck drivers would come in and have coffee. I can still remember their names and their faces. And all of this is popping into my head, and I'm going, wait a minute, forget the gas station. Let's do the entire trucking industry. Let's train them. If we train them, they could be one of the greatest volunteer forces ever in the fight against human trafficking. That um, speaker had also brought out that the FBI had started this operation cross-country in 2008, where they were looking at places where victims were being recovered, like truck stops and street tracks and casinos and motels. And some of those places were places, again, that truckers frequented. So it was a really good kind of a dovetail that looked to me like it would work really well. So truckers against trafficking just seemed like an ideal way to start a grassroots movement. I love that. And just the the acknowledgement of seeing this strategic industry and recognizing that this is just one part of the solution, but it is a critical part of the solution that you can train and mobilize and equip all these people who are out there and who would want to do something if they knew what it was. And I think the other neat thing about that is that aspect of the light bulb moment for you, right, Lynn? I think a lot of times in our life, we we have circumstances. You know, you grew up around the, the breakfast table with those truck drivers and, you know, you think, oh, gosh, this is some random piece of my childhood or whatever. But then there in that moment, it was like divine appointment, right, of, you know, no, you're, you had that light bulb moment kind of to come from and to just be able to say there's something here and and to follow through, to have the faith to follow through and take action on that. And I just I love that part. Such an interesting story. Speaking to that, what's interesting about this is that there was no previous experience within the transportation industry. So what kind of help did you all have early on? I know that that's a question for people a lot of times with TAT. When they understand how and why it got started, it's like, what, what did that look like in the beginning time? What kind of help did you guys find? As you said, we knew absolutely nobody in the trucking industry. The closest person I had in that was a man in my Sunday school class 
who actually sold software to the trucking industry. So I talked to him for a little bit and kind of picked his brain. And then I talked to my whole Sunday school class. There was a doctor in there who donated $1,000 to us. No contacts, no money. (laughs) Didn't know how to really go about this. I had 30 some years in public relations work. So I knew that I could, you know, communicate but we didn't know how it would start. So he he volunteered this $1,000 to help us get our first wallet cards created. And then I went online and I thought, well, let's see if there are any other Christian organizations within the trucking industry. So I found Christian Truckers Network and the guy that headed that up put up our first website for Truckers Against Trafficking. And then I found out there was an organization called Transport for Christ that put up chapels at truck stops. So contacted them and they introduced us to Travel Centers of America. So we were able to begin training plaza management. Those were the kind of beginning things that just happened. God put them into place because these people didn't know me, didn't know whether we could follow through with what I was saying we wanted to do. But they trusted and they helped and it just started mushrooming. It was amazing. Wow, that is so exciting and so beautiful. So I was hired in 2015, started in 2009. And so what was some of that growth, kind of the long time laying the foundation? What was that like to lay that foundation? When do you feel like you're like, oh, this is really going to catch on and grow? What was that? Those stepping stones that led to that? Yeah, our our first trucking show was uh, in the fall of 2009 called the Big Rig Trucking Show in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That was really an experience. The only thing we had were the little wallet cards that we had created. And then we were signed up to do some one-hour trainings with people. The first training Candace went in, there was one man in there, but that one man ended up being the president of our board for a number of years. And that helped give us some experience. So that the following year, when we went to the Great American Trucking Show in Dallas, we started getting more calls. We were starting to get more and more speaking opportunities two years in, had to ask, you know, one of my daughters if she would take over Truckers Against Trafficking for me in order to keep it going because I couldn't do it with my full-time job. So I think that was the point where we really recognized that TAT was taking off. We had so many opportunities and no way to really do them as an initiative of Chapter 61. Who was that person who was sitting in the seat at that first presentation who then was the president of the board? Mark Brown. He was the head of a truck driving school here in Oklahoma, and he served the board for many, many years and just did an exceptional job. That's amazing. I remember we did a Freedom Drivers Project event at his school down the line, but that's so great. (laughs) Yeah, it's been amazing. It's really been amazing. The, The organization is just extraordinary, and it's just been an amazing thing to watch as God has just grown it. You mentioned, Lynn, not being able to take all these speaking opportunities and all of this. And so very early on understood that the training needed to be something that was like the plug and play method, right? A, a very well done professional piece of material that then could go out to the thousands and thousands of places. And speaking just to that partnering so well with the industry and really listening to what the industry had to say and the feedback and just kind of that whole piece of the puzzle. When we were first getting started, 
it was a daunting task to think about the size of the trucking industry, which overall, I mean, you've got about 3 million drivers, but you've got about 7 million people overall. So how do you get this many people trained, it would be impossible for us to actually go to all of them personally. One of the people on our board was Brad Riley from I Empathize, and they work a lot with interactive media and arts. We worked with Brad to come up with that first training DVD that we would be able to send out. That man that I originally told you about in my Sunday school class who did software for the trucking industry, he had told me, don't ever charge for your materials. So we made it a point from the beginning that we wouldn't charge for our materials. This was a fight that we were bringing to the trucking industry and then asking them to become invested in it. The DVD and the wallet cards became really cogent vehicles for good training. One of the things that I'm always so amazed about, it's it's you and Candice and Kyla are so great at like, oh, there's this thing going on. Well, obviously, I'm going to do everything and anything. And there's no reason I couldn't ultimately stop trafficking like that kind of mindset. So powerful and inspiring. Like, Is there anything that kind of helped you learn that that was possible and kind of pushed you and then obviously teaching and passing that on to Candice and Kyla to kind of make you that way? Yeah, I think I've always been someone who wants to make a difference and wants to be involved in helping other people understand that they can make a difference. And this just seems so horrific to me that trafficking was taking place here and that so many people were being terribly hurt through it. And I've got kind of a justice mindset. My girls, all four of them have kind of a justice mindset. So it just seemed like a a good fit. While we were all alike like that, we all have different sets of skills that could be really useful in doing this. And it just seemed to make sense. To any of our listeners who are kind of having those thoughts of like, yeah, this something needs to be done about this. I want to do something about this. What advice would you give to any listener who wants to get involved, but maybe doesn't really feel like they know where to get started? Yep, neither did we. So I would tell those people that they need to start right where they're at. If you've got a vision or you've got an idea or something pops into your brain, like the trucking industry did for me, you need to start right there and just take small steps and things start falling into place. History has shown that it's usually the ordinary men and women stepping up and doing what's right, right where they're at, that really makes a difference. And then if there are any truck drivers themselves, making sure you go on the TAT website, truckersagainsttrafficking.org, and taking our training, I'd tell you to be willing to make a call on behalf of someone that needs your help. If you see something that looks like human trafficking taking place, even if it's inconvenient for you to make that call, those few seconds that you take can save someone's life. And then talking to your family members and anyone else that's within your own sphere of influence so that they learn about the realities of sex trafficking and how each individual can make a difference in fighting it. Yeah, that's a great, a great point. And I think for all of us, you know, on the team, whether we have it in mind every day at the forefront behind us always and just with us always is that idea of making an impact and helping to change and save lives and just that the work is this ripple effect. And that is the ultimate end result of all of this. And that's the goal, right, is to to save lives. And we know that you have a favorite success story in particular. And we heard from Sherry at the beginning of this podcast and 
there are so many stories that we've heard over the years. Why is why is her story speak to you so much? I think the story of Sherry and her cousin kind of personify what Tad is really all about. And that's why we actually feature that story in, on our DVD, Training for Drivers. You've got these two teenagers. They're kidnapped off the streets. They're beaten. They're forced to sell themselves, first in a, in a house in a middle-class neighborhood. And then the trafficker actually recruits a trucker to drive Sherry across state lines and then forces her to sell herself at the truck stop. He's got an adult victim that he tells to take Sherry around from truck to truck. And he keeps the cousin in his car and he tells Sherry if she doesn't do what he's told her, it's going to hurt the cousin. So Sherry's really on edge. Only later in the DVD do we find out that there's a truck driver. His name is Willie. And he's watching Sherry with this older adult victim go from truck to truck, knocking on cab doors. And he doesn't hesitate. He makes one phone call. And as a result, law enforcement show up at that truck stop and the cop can tell immediately that Sherry's underage. Here you have one phone call by one trucker and Sherry is recovered that night. Her cousin is recovered about a week later. And Willie's phone call broke open a case that convicted 31 offenders, rescued seven other minors and shut down a 13 state child trafficking ring all because he recognized this doesn't look right. His willingness is the kind of action that I knew truck drivers would take. And um, and that's what TAT is all about. Uh, I didn't come from a trucking industry background at all, but I've loved so much coming into the sphere, into this industry with trucking, bus, and energy, how much each person is, no, this is wrong and I will do something about it, especially now that I have the tools to know what to do. And that is truly our goal, to make sure that everyone pulls free access to information and resources and then utilize it in their sphere to create difference. I am so grateful to the trucking industry, and I'm so grateful to the drivers for the way that they have stepped up in amazing ways all over the United States to make calls that have resulted in the recovery of hundreds of victims and the arrest of hundreds of perpetrators all because they learned that these people were enslaved. So we are just incredibly grateful to them and thank them so much. They not only move America, but they are making a difference for victims and for law enforcement in the fight against this crime. You know, it would have been total opposite, but here I am, I'm sitting here with my mom, you know, I mean, and that all could have been taken away, but because of, you know, that trucker, I have you know, a future. Oh, that trucker. <laughs> the one that made that phone call. I I think about him all the time. I have never met him. I don't know who he is, but boy, I owe him a lot. <laughs> to every driver out there who has joined Willie in picking up the phone and making a call on behalf of victims of human trafficking, thank you. Thank you for being willing to take action, to get involved, and to help save lives. Thank you for being a trucker against trafficking. 